Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm just waking up, having my first cup of coffee. That's right. You are in Hawaii right now, which is three hours difference from me, so I've been awake for a little while. I know that you just returned from beach stylers that happened in San Diego. So what happened? How was it? Tell me, tell me, tell all of us. What was the experience like? Yeah, it was as as expected, it was a great, great experience. We, um, we ended up playing the tournament out at La Jolla Shores Beach Park, which is a really large, flat beach. And um, the first day, the wind was pretty strong coming from the south right up the beach. It was a little bit choppy, but it was totally manageable. And so uh, we did open pairs on the first day, and um, most of the teams played really well. I have all the videos. I'm going to post them pretty soon. Um, so we did uh, we did semis and finals, and Dave and I ended up winning the open pairs finals by point one. Wow. And when you say Dave, you mean Dave Schiller. Dave Schiller. Yeah, good. That's a very good clarification because the surprise was that Dave Lewis is making a comeback. At least he made a comeback at this tournament. So he played with uh, Jim Dodelson and they had a great routine. And I think they took third. I did catch a little bit of the live stream and I was like going, is that Dave Lewis? I was like, yes, Dave is back. So good to hear that he's shredding. Not only is he back, he's playing as if he never stopped playing. He was amazing. He was doing his classic double spin pulls. He was doing lots of skids and juices and spinning um, flamingo catches. He's, yeah, he's on as if he never stopped. That's great. I also saw that uh, Chipper Bro Bell was there too. So that was a nice, nice to have him in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a nice jam with Chip too. If you won by point one, who was in second place? Who was the second place team? Uh, Pavel and Harry. Pavel Baranek. Harry Skulmak. I can't say Harry's last. He was trying to tell us, and he's like, it's not really a sound you make in English. (laughs) Yeah, he's a great player. Actually, I got to play with him at EFO in Berlin with him and Daniel. So, wow, that's a a potent team, uh, Pavel and uh, Harry. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like fun. It was super fun. And so the next day, we did Turbo Shred and... um, Dave Lewis won Turbo Shred by point one. Uh, that makes me so happy. Welcome back, Dave Lewis. Nice to have you back in the mix. So, well, it sounds like it was a great time at Beat Stylers. Uh, certainly was watching on the live stream, and uh, I'm hoping I'll make it next year. But, you know, well, let's get into today's episode. And today's episode, we are going to continue our conversation with John Kirkland. And we kind of start off by uh, discussing who were some of the originators of moves back in the day. So enjoy. That's always been my joy in finding and creating new things was to try to get that surprise. So I I totally love giving that gift to somebody where they think something's coming, you do something different. And I love that reaction that you get and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. So with that kind of concept in mind, who are some of the other folks along with you? You were originating moves. Who are some of the other folks in the time that you saw as originators and people who were creating new moves? Well, Stork obviously was very interested in that sort of thing. John Connolly was the first person I ever saw do a multiple tip. Uh, it was just sort of, you know, it was coming into him and he had to slow it down and he hit at it again. I thought, well, you just kind of keep that going. He didn't keep it going, but 
I saw him do it, and I thought, hey, I can just kind of keep that thing going. Ken Westerfield, Vic, but still, Victor, Victor, at that time, Victor was the man. He was just the cleanest and the flashiest and the best. But everyone had some little unique thing, like Tom Baudet did sort of unique things. The disc would come in, and you're at the beach, and you're all wet, and he would kind of let it ramp up off his forearms. And he'd go to catch it and then kind of turn his head in sort of an osis kind of thing and catch it the other way. Uh, everyone was doing something different. Uh, I wasn't personally coming up with so many new things, but I happened to be the guy who saw everyone else and could make combinations out of them and I had access to all the different things. Nobody else was going around and visiting. So I was sort of, some, I wasn't so much the originator as I was the catalyst. From this guy and this from that guy, I didn't come up with that so many moves, just my own. Although the, the puddle, uh, I was the first guy to ever do a puddle as far as I knew. What is interesting about that and talking with Joey Hudoklin is that he would say that he would just go ahead and steal everybody's moves and then just get really, really good at them. So he wasn't so much of a guy who would come up with new moves, but he would just see what everybody else was doing and then just incorporate them into his whole style. So I do remember, like Cray Van Sickle was one of those guys who would just blow your mind with some of the stuff that he was doing in those days. So it was kind of like in those early days where it was like the catching and tipping and then the delay. And when people started putting together combinations, Cray was one of those folks that really stood out to me as somebody pushing the boundaries of where freestyle could go. Yeah, Cray's one of the best ever. You know, it's our culture tries to make us be lone wolves and vulture capitalists. And our culture, we've devised this system that makes us, it keeps us separate and competitive. But we are, we're a body politic. It's like Newton said when asked why he could see so much farther than others. He said, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. It's a group enterprise. We're, we're trained to try to get credit for coming up with this and that, but it's all a group flow. It's much more inclusive. It's much more non-competitive in its essence and inclusive than separating and competitive. There, we went through a thing in there in the beginning of, well, I came up with this and who came up with that? And I, you know, who came up with the delay and who came up with the airbrush and all that? And I sort of know who the guy was who did the different things first. But at the same time, I realized that it's all this dance and humans are figuring it out together. And it's not so simple as to who did this and that, because like I said about the Fleming Guidus, who came up with that? Well, Billy came up with an idea and then Craig did it first. And I thought well, there was a three person combo. I mean, it's it's all like that. So having been raised in this vulture capitalistic society for a long time, I was, you know, trying to get enough attaboys and trying to personally stick out and succeed and win and all that. And it's only in retrospect that I realized that it was, that wasn't important at all. It was the dance and the energy and being in the flow and being in the creative home of the time that was way more important than any particular uh, strokes that my ego got from from doing it. That's that's so secondary and so silly in retrospect. We all struggle with that whole competitive, non-competitive thing. And we have these tournaments set up and they, they kind of self-defeating in a way of who we are as these beings trying to be happy. It kind of doesn't work. 
So, John, I understand that you and Jeff Jorgensen were freestyle partners for a long time and that you were very successful. Can you tell me a little bit about how that partnership came about and uh, and what your approach to competition was? Jeff was a wonderful and probably still is a wonderful guy, very enthusiastic. He and I met in 77 and immediately started playing together. I just liked his his joy and his bounciness and it was funny because he was a lefty and only through good counter spin. And uh, I had I had counter moves, but I was predominantly a clock guy in terms of long combinations. So it forced me to do different things. But we had a great time playing together. We played in the summer of 77, played four or five tournaments in a row and uh, moving up the coast of California, uh, San Diego, Irvine, Santa Barbara, uh, Sacramento, Portland, Seattle. We won all those freestyle tournaments together. We had a great time playing together. The only tournament I didn't play with him was in Boulder. And Cray and I played together in Boulder. And Cray and I won that one. I had to sort of decide, do I want to play in the Rose Bowl with Cray? Do I want to play with Jeff? But I'd sort of already committed to Jeff, so I honored that commitment. Uh, even though the, the, the Boulder one was right before the Rose Bowl, and we were really really playing well together but i'm glad i played with jeff because we had a really good time playing together so how did you guys end up placing uh you know we we ended up getting second to the uh velasquez brothers and it was a kind of a weird thing because you know you never know how why these things go we had won the semis we had qualified first to go on last and uh, we had played this great semis routine the rose bowl Weird things happened in the Rose Bowl, not just it was a, a very strange environment in terms of strange winds and stuff like that, but there were all these strange delays. Like I remember in, in 75, Westerfield and I were getting ready to go on, and they decided to do a an Alpo commercial with Lashley Whippet at the other end of the field, the same time as Westerfield and I go on. So they take, we don't want to get to have any music. I mean, it's like, you know, if you look back on it now, it was so unprofessional it was so obviously a commercial effort by whammo but i'm you know i'm not complaining well i am complaining a little bit because west of westerfield and i didn't get you know we got short shrift of that particular thing but I, not so much a complaint as to remember just how sort of commercial an enterprise it was and how little the whammo actually thought of freestyle and, and, and any of it. It was all just an excuse to sell discs. But I'm glad that they had that attitude or else we wouldn't be playing the sport because, you know, whammo did. Whammo was the original reason that, that I started playing and the original reason that all of us started playing. So they want to make a buck out of it. What the heck? But as far as Jeff and I went in that particular Rose Bowl, we were all ready to go and the sound system stopped, stopped working, so we had to wait about 15 minutes, 10 minutes for the sound to start working again. And so we're just standing there waiting, just standing there waiting, standing there waiting. They can't find the music. The sound system's not working. I started to try to throw a catch with, with Jeff to keep the thing going, and, so, and one of the judges, John Wyan, yells out, no, 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 no playing. You can't practice ahead of time. So we just... <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not kidding. It, it just sort of, I don't know. I mean, I, I, so we do, we sort of didn't play as well as we could. We didn't hit. It sort of broke a spell. You wouldn't think that it would be, I mean, you know, if we were troopers and we were 
actors and, you know, you got to do four or five takes, you know, we should have been able to do it, but we just didn't hit. It put a kink in us somehow, you know, that that sounds sort of, you know. No, we've all had similar experiences. I remember one year uh, when Matt and I were about to go on, we put the CD on and it won't play. It just won't play. So we have no music. So what are we going to do? Well, I have another copy of the CD in the car and it's about five minutes away if I run at full speed. So, okay, we'll be right back. And I freaking ran all the way to the car and all the way back so that we could play our music. And then I have no energy left to play. (laughs) So just is not what it should have been. Any interruption in that flow when you're competing is key. I mean, it's it's the rare bird who can kind of grab it back and get that momentum. And, you know, those four or five, three minutes are always elusive. You never know where they're going to go. So you want to have that optimal entry into it. Anytime you go into that arena with like, you're ready to go. And all of a sudden it's like, oh no, you got to wait for 10 minutes. Like that's not usually going to bode well for your optimum performance brain. You know, it can go different ways. In 76, there were three main tournaments. There was the Eastern Nationals, the Western Nationals, and the Rose Bowl. These are tournaments that everyone went to. This is, 76 is the first year of NAS tournaments. It's the first year of no more Hedrick. Now Stork is running it. Now everything, there's a lot of, you got to qualify to go to the Rose Bowl. It's a big deal. Now everybody's nailed the lane and everybody is brushing and freestyle is off to the races and everybody's getting good at it. In the Eastern ones, uh, Westerfield and I played together and we had no drops in the finals and we won. We beat Cray and John Anthony. And in the Western Nationals in Boulder, which was just a marvelous tournament, one of the, the ones that really stick out in my memory, completely stick out, just a a wonderful tournament, and I had one of those one of those weeks that were, really worked well. Set the world record in distance, the world record in TRC, won the overall. In the freestyle, everyone had played except for me and Ken, and one of those Colorado thunderstorms comes up, and it's just all of a sudden just elbows and teacups and bucket loads, and we all run indoors into a gym for about, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and we all are playing indoors and having a great time. And all of a sudden, the shower passes, the sun comes out, and it's the last rays of the afternoon sun. And Westerfield and I run back out there because we're the only group left to go on. We don't even have our music. Whoever had our music had, had misplaced it or whatever. And Tom Kennedy said, what do you want? And I said, put on anything. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> And he put on Breezin by George Benson. And George Benson was my favorite. I had played drums with George Benson in the jazz workshop in 1974 when I was a jazz drummer. And uh, George was my favorite. He puts on Breezin. Ken and I had one of those magical routines. The wind had stopped. The sun was out. Everyone's gathered around. And we had one of those dropless routines. Just magical. Magical. Things happened in that routine that you just, they were just sort of lucky. Like there was a time when we were doing this thing where we were juggling four going back and forth between each other. I threw one of the throws to skip it to him, and it hit another disc. Instead of just killing it, it skipped right off the other disc and went right to him. And on the last throw in that, in that sequence, he was supposed to 
to catch it, and I was going to reach down. And we're juggling with with one nineteens that are my uh, world distance championship yellow one nineteens. Got me throwing on them. He's supposed to to keep the last disc, and I reach down and pick up the one forty one. We're going to go into a different part of the routine, and instead of keeping, he had thrown it to me, and it hits me in the chest and and rolls and goes into my right hand. I never even saw it. Bam, catch. It's just one of those, you know, we've all had those times when it was just magical. So you can have a break in the in the flow like like Jeff and I had and yet have it work out marvelously. It was the standing around and not being allowed to throw and sort of, you know, everyone's in the stands. I mean, we're not just talking about some freestyle judges. We're talking 50,000 people, 50,000. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the film of me throwing accuracy uh, in that, but it shows the stands. The Rose Bowl, half of the Rose Bowl is full. So it's not, I mean, it's not just sitting around in front of your buddies shooting the bull. There is, you know, wide world of sports and the, the world is watching. We're just sort of standing there with our, in our one thumb in our mouth and one thumb in our butt, and we're waiting for the sound system to say switch. Not one of your favorite Rose Bowl memories. So I'm going to ask you. So what were some of your favorite Rose Bowl memories? Um, you know, playing with uh, playing with Billy and and Cray, playing with Jeff. I mean, playing with Donnie. I've had several of those Rose Bowl memories where I thought we'd won and we got second. It always came down to, it didn't really matter. It was, it's sort of a microcosm of what we were saying earlier about how the talk and the competition gets a lot of play in our culture. But it really comes down to the cooperation and the, and the love and the jam. It's all the leading up to it and the hanging out with your partners and getting ready and all that time for those three or four or five minutes, which we judge ourselves by and instead with the with the uh the hindsight of 2020 and the lens of a lot of time 40 years in the past i realized it was all the the love and the striving and the being there that was way more important than who won this and that if you could only bring that perspective to our daily lives and you know i try to now when i play disc golf i try to just be I'm walking along, I start getting into a, a, any kind of dialogue with myself, and it's just take the next step, the next breath. It's only right now. It, nothing else matters but this instant. Don't get lost in worrying about life. This is it. Enjoy this minute. It'll never be here again. And I'm trying to do that actually right now while, with all this reminiscing, realizing that sitting here looking at you two guys, this is a great moment. This is, you know, this is all we've got right this instant. You know, reflecting on what he was saying, uh, it really dovetails nicely into what we've been saying so often. And what I really believe is that when we're out there jamming, playing freestyle frisbee, we're totally 100% in the moment. That talking guy that's always going off in my head and distracting me and making me think about other things, he sort of shuts up when I'm out there playing and I just kind of lose myself in the moment and what's going on. And so... Uh, I don't know. That's that's one of the things that I really love about freestyle frisbee is it's kind of like it's kind of like my meditation. It's the thing that gives me relief and release and distraction from everything else that's going on in life. Yeah, without a doubt, it's it's the magic. It's the draw. It's what 
keeps us coming back to the nectar. You know, it's like, ooh, I want to drink some more of that. And, you know, there really aren't many moments in life where we do get to be present. And it's hard to be conscious about that of like, okay, take a breath. And, you know, it's really, it takes a lot of work to to be there. And one of the things that's nice about freestyle and where we really are just present with each other and we're just kind of bouncing off of the energy that we're giving to each other. So it really is that magic, the nectar that keeps us coming back. I love it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not just about a solitary being present in the moment. It's about sharing it with your friends and being present with them, really sharing it all together. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. So, well, hey, uh, one thing I wanted to mention to folks out there is that, you know, you can download all of our podcasts using whatever app that you have, whatever podcast app, and you can download it through iTunes. And and what is the other one? I always, I always mangle it, Jake. What is Stitcher. it? Stitcher. Stitcher's another good one. Stitcher. Okay. So Stitcher and iTunes. And what's cool about that is that you can actually download all the episodes. So you can go back to, you know, our very first episode and, and listen to that or catch up on any of the episodes that you may have missed. What also is cool about these apps and downloading the podcast from Stitcher and iTunes is that you get the opportunity to review our podcast. So it's really important that you give us those reviews because then that lifts us up in the rankings and gets us more exposure, which then gets freestyle more exposure. And it's actually kind of a cool way to spread the jam in a really easy, easy way. So download the apps, go to iTunes, Stitcher, give us a review and you're spreading the jam. So we'd really love it if you would do that. And on that note, Jake, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time, Randy. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle Frisbee. Oh, yeah!